I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Braden Sprint, top dog, here at it again for another edition of the High School Football Podcast. I'm uh, at work at the Odyssey Empire Studios. Chris at home, hanging out and doing his thing. Uh, as we uh, are on our remote broadcast, we always want to thank Todd Durkin at Fitness Quest 10 for letting us use their studios when we can. A little bit of a different uh, change around this week with our busy schedules, but ready for Episode 7 of Season 6. Chris, what's going on? Man, I mean, you're starting to see the, the difference between the pretenders and the contenders. Now we're in the league play now. We're in league championship play. And, um, you know, a lot of big games that happened last week. We'll start talking about uh, some of them as I pull them up, obviously. And uh, big game of the week last week was uh, Lincoln and Cathedral. Lincoln was able to win by two touchdowns on a Josiah Cox uh, interception return for a touchdown late in the game. But game was pretty much back and forth. Cathedral was driving to potentially tie it. Uh, with under two minutes to go, and uh, Lincoln sealed the deal with the pick. Lincoln's defense was outstanding uh, for the majority of the game. Uh, their offense scored on their first two drives, and then Cathedral's defense uh, shut it down for about seven straight possessions. Um, you know, fun game back and forth uh, between two top powers in the Western League, and I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, if I saw both those teams in the open division at the end of the year. Yeah, me either. I mean, you know, my takeaway from that, you know, my hat's off to the defensive coordinator for Lincoln. Uh, by Steve Jones, you know, he did a fantastic job, uh, pass rush on uh, Cathedral. Um, they were in the quarterback's face all night, and the guy was taking shot after shot after shot. You know, to the quarterback's credit, he kept getting up. I just felt like uh, there were a couple of play calls that were questionable on uh, the Cathedral uh, passing side, including one that resulted in interception. Uh, generally, you go to the strong side, not the weak side. But, you know, those are the differences in close games like that. So, you know, hats off to Jason Carter, uh, you know, Bashir Jones. Um, I think between those two coordinators, they came over the game plan that was going to stop, you know, their off uh, cathedral offense. And they figured a game plan to put points on the board. So, you know, they've been trying to do it for a long time. And, you know, Carter always says you're not the best unless you beat the best. And, you know, they proved it on uh, in that game. And like I said a couple weeks ago, Lincoln's the number one team in San Diego. I need to um, start a GoFundMe for Mira Mesa High School's uh, scoreboard, man. I mean, that thing, I don't know if you were at that game. I mean, it was, was trying to do the game. I was During the JV game, they come down and they tell us, hey, look, the scoreboard's not really working in terms of the time. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, it'll count down 10 seconds, and then it'll add 30 seconds, and then it'll go down a minute, and it's kind of all over the place, and there's no way for us to stop it. So I don't know how Mira Mesa is able to handle uh, their clock. I feel, you know, obviously bad, and, you know, hopefully we can go get that fixed because – that's tough. I mean, I, I don't even know if the first quarter of the JV game was a full 10 minutes or not because at one point it was like eight minutes were on the clock and then it was down to two minutes. And you're like, what happened? And they're like, well, the clock's kind of off. And so they had to keep track on the uh, 
on the field. I've never seen anything like it, Chris. I mean, it was, and even during the varsity game, it was four minutes on the clock, and then all of a sudden it said 28 minutes and 30 seconds, and then it went down to four minutes and, and 15 seconds, and it was like, dude, just turn it off. I mean, it doesn't even work at this point. Right, right. You know, I, I thought they would have uh, fixed that when they redid the stadium. Right, they did the they did the field, and then um, I can't remember when I was at the Mira Mesa Helix game if it was acting up. A couple of times it would shut the scores off, but I thought for the most part the clock was good. But it, yeah, a lot of issues with the clock, which which stinks. And you know, obviously the next got to add it to the list for the city schools to to get fixed over there. A um, couple other games that we wanted to talk about. If I could pull up my sheet from last week, some of the games we looked at. Uh, La Costa Canyon at El Camino. El Camino got the job done, if I'm not mistaken, against La Costa Canyon. We all picked uh, Megatron and uh, Sean Sovacool's boys against LCC, thinking that they could be the second-best team in the Avocado League. Maybe they could you know, beat Carlsbad later in the season, but El Camino strikes again and uh, gets a good win uh, for uh, Coach Hobbs and the boys. Yeah, I can't figure out. I can't figure out La Costa Canyon for life for me. I mean, they go out there. They beat a ranked San, uh, Mission Hills team. Then they beat San Marcos, and then they go out and lose to El Camino. So I, I really don't know. It looks like they they struggle with the run, but they're good against pass defense. And I think that got exposed against El Camino uh, on Friday night. El Camino winning 23-20 to last week. Uh, other games that we picked last week that were also games of the week, East County Game of the Week, El Cap Vaqueros, uh, they beat Santana 7 to nothing in a defensive battle to get Ron Berner Sr. his 100th win. Big hats off and congratulations to Ron Berner Sr. Obviously for getting number 100. I don't care where you coach. I don't care who you coach. I don't care how long you've coached. Getting 100 wins in in, in high school football is, is impressive. And a good hats off to Ron Berner Sr. and the El Cap Vaqueros getting that job done. Absolutely agree. Um, Ron Vaquero is one of the, the good stories in football. You know, he runs uh, the restaurant over there in Nicolosi's in uh in uh, San Carlos and I've known Ron a long time and you know just a heartfelt congratulations to uh, Senior on winning his 100th game. Uh, City game of the week Mira Mesa at Madison. Uh, Madison took care of business against uh, their former city conference uh, foe obviously in different leagues now. Madison was expected to win 28-10 they end up winning 40-14. to You know Mira Mesa has keep striding to try to be that last team in the Western League potentially next year uh, if they want to move up but uh, Madison uh, showing again why they're undefeated and why they are, have the best chance of being the only team, I think, to maybe upset Lincoln this season. No, it's going to be a big game. I think that's what coming up either this week or next week, but uh, that may be for the Western Division title right there. Yeah, and a spot in the Open Division. That depends on what happens this weekend, of course, between Madison Cathedral. And I will say this. Every time you think league championships are going to go like you think they are, some crazy game happens and some crazy win happens that really puts everything into a funk. And the other thing, too, I think is very interesting. I don't agree with it, but teams that are tied, even head-to-head, they get co-champions in high school in San Diego, which is I, – yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that either way. I mean, if, if you win a game if – you, if you finish the same as the other team – and they beat you, in my opinion, still as a coach, I didn't win. I didn't win league because that they beat us head-to-head. So that's that's kind of the conversation. I'm sure we'll get into conversations about that later in the season when we talk about league games. Uh, other games, we went through a lot. Was there any other games that stuck out to you in terms of surprise, in terms of you know this team starting to rally off or maybe this team starting to fall apart uh, down the stretch? Anything that really that was noticeable last week? No, not that I can. Um, I still think Point Loma is an interesting story there. Uh, they they won again, and I, 
you know, they're going to make trouble in league and, uh, you know, they, they keep playing the way they are. They may be, get a, a league championship. So, you know, Point Loma is one of those teams is kind of a question mark. You're not really sure if, if they're as good as the record indicates, um, but they beat, you know, some pretty good programs. So, you know, we'll have to see when it comes uh, time for playoffs. Uh, Point Loma is expected to win every one of the remaining games, according to Cal Preps, and finish the season 9-1. They're also projected to get the number one seed in Division Three, and they might be the team to beat, obviously, in, in Division Three, A couple other things I thought were very interesting. Um, RBV took another loss. They lost to Ramona. We all picked them to lose to Ramona going up the mountain to take on um, Coach Baldwin's crew up in Ramona, who's kind of had a, a little bit of a bounce back with the win against RBV. I thought that was not really surprising, but I thought it was telling to where RBV is, is, is headed. Um, and the other game, there was one other game uh, that I thought was interesting or, or at least wanted to bring it up. I mean, Modern Day obviously beat Central. And uh, they look like they're about to to potentially win out with some of the matchups they got. You know, does that play any factor in 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 how you rate them at the end of the season if they finish the season six and four after starting zero and four? No. You know, got them in like your top five. I mean, would you have them like five at that point if they win six in a row? I mean, they lose to the four teams that are better than them, and then they beat the six teams that are worse than them. It's kind of a you don't really necessarily good know how good modern day is at that point. I mean, with four losses, you're not going to crack my top my top eight. I mean, you're lucky to get in the top ten with four losses. It doesn't matter who they're to. I mean, to say that you're one of the best teams with four losses, it, there's too many question marks there. There's too many other teams like, could Poway beat them? Or, you know, could Mir Mesa beat them? You know, with four losses, I just can't put them in the top above eight. And, you know, in most seasons, I, I probably wouldn't. They wouldn't even make the top ten with four losses. They definitely don't have any path to the open division based on anything, unless uh, unless Lincoln, Madison, Cathedral, you know, I mean, all lose to Scripps and Saints, and then unless Carlsbad just loses their next three games, I still think it's it's kind of tough. But on top of that, a lot of people don't remember this or realize this, especially with the CIF rankings. You know, if Cathedral loses another game, Helix loses points. So then all of a sudden where you thought – because I, I talk with to, with Roland Veal about this all the time. He always asks, like, well, where are we at with the with the Open? Because Helix is trying to get in the Open. And they're like, well, if we do this and then Cathedral does that, what happens? I said, well, Cathedral loses again. You lose points. And so even though they keep falling down, they're still ahead of you in the in the standing. So that's going to be tough to, to determine who the Open teams are. And I think a lot of coaches are starting to get frustrated with the CIF rankings, something that they voted for. So I'm curious to see if they decide to uh, – to talk about that uh, during the off season. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't know if this makes any sense. And, you know, Joe's got his hands full in the off season. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that want to see some changes. And again, we don't want to, this is not us going CIF made this happen and we're mad at CIF. I mean, they did what, what everybody voted for. They put it together, like they said, and that's, that's what they came up with. I don't even know necessarily if they agree with, with the rating system that they have, but that's what was picked by all the coaches. So if you want some change, um, talk to your league rep about it. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it during the off season. Cause I think a lot of coaches like the, the way the Southern section uh, is handling things. Uh, top 10. This week for me, I got Lincoln number one. I got Madison two. I got Carlsbad three. I go Cathedral four over Helix at five. Poway six. Granite seven. Modern Day eight. El Camino nine. Mirror Mesa ten. Before you give your top ten, Chris, is there anybody that was outside of your top ten last week that's in it this week? Because the only team for me was El Camino, and you and I, despite order, have had the same ten teams in it every single week. 
Well, I don't know if I, I, I missed something here. Did you have Granite Hills in your top 10? I had them at seven, correct. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to be candid with you. I think our top 10s are exactly the same. Really? You go Lincoln, Madison, Carlsbad, Cathedral, Helix, Poway, Granite, Moderdale, Camino, Mira Mesa. That sounds great to me. I don't see any dif- I don't see any differences there at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I threw El Camino in there instead of La Costa Canyon. Obviously, they beat him head to head, and LCC is now 500, and El Camino's four and two. I think a lot of people voted for, um, you know, some other votes around uh, the county were, um, you know, Mount Carmel. I think it got, I think it got a couple of votes. Um, they got 18 points. They just missed out behind Mayor Mason. Mission Hills got some votes at three and three. Same with LCC. San Marcos got some got some vo- votes, and so did so did Point Loma. But you know, at this point for me, you know, I it, it's tough because. The way the rating system is now in divisions, where it's not based solely on enrollment, it's based on how good you are. It's it's really hard for me to rank a D two or a D three school in the top ten just because of the, the 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 precedent of of what happened in front of them over the last couple of years. I mean, you have to be like like granted, they're a D two school. They just dropped down to D two. They've they've really competed with D one schools. So I have them in my top 10. Same thing with Mira Mesa. But like a school like Point Loma, I mean, at this point, you know, just from the start, they're already like the best they could be is like 25 or whatever the number is based on all the teams that are ranked in front of them. So it's tough for me to vote that because I remember when I was playing, Chris, and it was based on enrollment, it would be like, oh, there's a D1 team. Then there's a D4 team. There's a D3 team because it's all based on enrollment. But now it's like most of the top 10's got to be D1 schools. Yeah, I can't disagree. So that's that's kind of our top ten. Um, anything else you want to discuss that stuck out to you uh, over the last week? Uh, you know, I just want to make sure that that, that people understand, and, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. Um, you know, next week uh, we're going to bring on uh, Jason Carter from Lincoln, the offensive coordinator, and I got a chance to talk to him um, over the last you know a couple of weeks or whatnot, leading into this Cathedral game, and we had some pretty you know good conversations about game plan and different things that you know he was trying to go into and that's those are private conversations that's not for everybody but uh you know i just want to go back and look at at lincoln's record um prior to jason carter getting there and you know lincoln was was two and eight i think one year they were one and nine um even when verland was there they were 500 five and five and you look at it now this team has moved out of division three and is legitimately the number one team in San Diego County. Now, as much as you might have, you know, knocked Jason Carter for, you know, seven on seven or his time with uh, coaches, one thing I do know about him is he's a player's coach. And you can see that when Georgia shows up on the sidelines of, uh, of a Lincoln game, it speaks to the, uh, about how he represents his players uh, nationally um, for Lincoln. And I'm going to be candid. That didn't happen before he was there. And so I just want to remind everybody that, you know, I don't know what Carter's future plans are uh, here in San Diego, but uh, I just want to make sure I take time and give him credit because, you know, he's been trying to beat Cathedral for a very long time. And uh, they went out there and knocked the giant off the mountain. Uh, first team to be able to do that in over two years. Um, so it's quite an accomplishment for that coaching staff over there with uh, Jason Carter and uh, Bashir Jones. Just want to make sure I get public acknowledgement. Last thing I want to say, a couple of weeks ago, we talked on a topic between uh, St. Augustine and uh, Steel Canyon. And I told everybody that I, you know, I'd have a conversation with Juan Gladnick at some point over, over that situation. And uh, I did. 
And uh, during that conversation, um, he had a different perception or, or uh, how he perceived how that game went. Um, you know, Longerbone is, is still pretty upset about it. And uh, I think the two of them will get together in, in the offseason and hash out whatever differences they may have. Um, I can tell you that, you know, candidly, Ron said to me that he personally wasn't trying to run up the score. Um, you know, only Ron knows that or not, that that's completely up to him. But he did, you know, say that he called for a pass play or he called for a running play. The OC called for a pass play. Uh, There's a couple of missed tackles and they scored again. So, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't really there. I saw the film. I could see where there might be some confusion. Um, but since they're all coaches here in San Diego, I think the best thing is for the two of them. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. To get together in the offseason and have a conversation man-to-man about it. That's something they're going to have to do, especially if they want to play again, because it didn't sound like from my conversation with Steel Canyon that they were ever going to play Saints ever again. Obviously, that was one week after the event, all the high emotions in that sense. I'm not going to talk more about that. I already said my piece. Um, I still stick with what I said. I still think it looked it's a bad look, and you know things happen. I mean, I, I coach football too. There's there's a lot of times where I tell a high school kid to do something, and he does the exact opposite, and then it looks really bad on our part. So I understand that from from that sense. Um, but again, I, I'm I'm, uh, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. And hopefully, hopefully, like you said, hopefully they get get together and, and hash it out because. You know, we already have a, a shortage of San Diego high school teams playing San Diego high school teams where you got schools like Lincoln having to go out of the county. You have schools like Cathedral playing three teams in the top 25 in the country. Uh, or you got teams like Steel Canyon having to play San Clemente and Heritage. Um, you know, I, I think that honestly, I think that leads to a lot of, um, I, I think it's not the sole factor, but I do think it's a contributing factor to why high school football is down in San Diego, I think the, the scheduling mindset needs to be changed, and there's a lot of things that need to be changed. And, you know, I've talked to, to coaches from Lincoln about it. I've talked to coaches um, at, all over the county about high school football. We're all saying the same thing. It's just it's a little down here in San Diego, and, and we all need to to change and, and, and make it a little better. Um, one thing that a lot of coaches brought up, I want to get your opinion on this, Chris. And, you know, maybe there's some legs to it, maybe there's not. But a lot of coaches have said to me specifically, and they've they, and unsolicited have brought it up all on their own, about a lot of the problems, at least in their opinion, on why varsity football right now in San Diego is down, and I think it's noticeably down, is the lack of kids at high schools developing by playing freshman and junior varsity football because 
numbers of the last couple of years have been down based on like the COVID thing as well. A lot of outside factors. But there's a lot of players that are good that have to be pulled up to varsity very quickly. And I don't and, and just because you're playing varsity football doesn't mean you're necessarily getting all the best reps when you can go down and, and develop, you know, in the lower levels, just like in baseball. I mean, how many times you see in major league baseball where guys try to develop at the major league level and can't get it done, then they go back down to the minor leagues, they learn how to play, they learn how to develop um, and, and be better athletes in the sport, and then when they come back to the pros, they're outstanding. Now, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they they don't have the um, the the luxury of being able to play JV football just because of numbers. And if you're really good and you can help out the varsity team, you can go up. But I think it's interesting to say that like a lot of kids nowadays are playing varsity at a lot younger of an age, and it's impacting their development uh, moving forward. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, there there's no doubt that the age of your varsity player is now around. 15 years old, as opposed to just even five, six years ago, it was 17 years old. Um, it's watered down football, and I'm not going to lie about it. And even the guys that have are the seniors or juniors on this year's team didn't get JV reps because they had no COVID season. Right. Or games were canceled or freshman ball was gone. Right. Out in my mind that, you know, football in San Diego is going to, the strength of, of football in San Diego will return, um, but it's going to take, you know, four or five years simply because, you know, these kids that are coming out of middle school next year are going to have to play the freshman, play the JV, learn how to tackle, learn their fundamentals of football, learn how to watch film. Uh, a lot of that development time is lost when you get a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old that gets, you know, a freshman that's automatically put on varsity because the kid runs a four or five. You know, um, I think there are certain aspects of players that, ooh, that guy's fast. Let's move into varsity. And let's be candid. I think that that's not good for the player. It's not good for the program. It's not good for the game. And it's not good for football all around the San Diego. So stronger football is going to return to San Diego. I think everyone, media included, coaches, myself, you, um, administration, have to be committed to making sure kids uh, feel safe and want to play football and, you know, put them in situations where they're not forced to go to varsity uh, their freshman and uh, sophomore year. Now, occasionally you're going to have a 16-year-old freak like, you know, Faramo up there at Cathedral. But, you know, for the most part, you know, 80 to 90 percent of these kids should be playing freshman and junior varsity so they can develop uh, better habits, understand the game better, learn how to watch film, you know, get all the things that, that make the football experience, high school football experience, um, not just about football, but about growing as a person and teaching life lessons to the game we all love. I know another topic, too, that, that kind of coincides with this. And we'll talk about this before we talk about the picks for, for next week and some of the games for next week, or this week, sorry. But, you know, I think a lot of coaches that they do in the coaches' corner and some other coaches throughout the county, you know, talk about, you know, should we still have freshman football? And I think it's a very interesting topic. I mean, obviously, back in the day, they didn't have freshman football. It was JV and it was varsity, and the JV teams – you know, we're playing, uh, they had juniors through freshmen on them. And, you know, that's obviously a big, you know, difference between your junior level year and your freshman year. Um, and there's some schools that, that can, uh, that have the ability to have freshman teams because of numbers. There's schools that can have freshman teams because of numbers. Um, do you think freshman football, uh, should go away for, for most schools? Do you think, they should go with the novice concept. I mean, I think the novice concept is very interesting to make all the freshman teams uh, novice teams. By that, you can have sophomores on it. 
Uh, that way you can have sophomores and freshmen play on the lower level. Uh, I think the bigger schools obviously could do the freshman football, but it, it seems to be a lot of um, you know schools trying to transition away from freshmen and more to novice. Do you think that would make an impact? Dude, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it a purple dinosaur. What it still is is junior varsity. The bottom line is freshman football has got to go. You got JV and you got varsity. That's it. It wasn't broke. Why do we try to fix something that wasn't broken? Introduce this concept of novice. So what you name it something different. It's still junior varsity football. I think the no- the novice thing is like no juniors allowed, right? So it's freshmen and sophomores. Uh, I mean, you got to go back to the point, though. Listen, you got to earn your way in life. If you're a junior and you're not on varsity, there's a reason because of that. Find out what that reason is and get your butt back on varsity. Earn things. Don't just give kids free handouts anymore. Let's go ahead and make them earn things. Because guess what? When football's done in the real world, they're going to have to earn a living. They're going to have to take some criticism. They're going to have to have thick skin. That's what this game teaches us. This is an equal playing field in football. When you step on that field, you can be the littlest guy out there, and you can knock out Goliath if you want to. But you got to have heart to play this game. And every time that we water down the concept of earning things and playing tough football, it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. I agree with you on that, especially. I mean, just it's 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 a lot of that. Um, coming from a program that's got freshman football and has two freshman football teams, um, obviously they don't want to ever not have freshman football because it helps with development and, and everything and keeps kids playing. Uh, the one counter I have to, to your thing, uh, with just having JV and varsity, which I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally cool with just doing JV and varsity. As we talked about development, right, and having freshmen play up and sophomores play up, I think keeping the freshmen away from juniors is not a bad idea because I honestly think, you know, there's a lot of kids that play freshman football that are not football players, and they're playing freshman football to, to learn how to play football and see whether they like it or not. And, you know, we have, again, it's different because we've had the, the luxury of having numbers where we can develop some of those kids because there's a lot of kids that don't play Pop Warner because their parents won't let them. And then they get to high school and they're allowed to play. And then they have a, it's a little bit of a slower development process, but they end up playing and being really good football players. I'll, I'll give you one case in point. I don't know if he played Pop Warner or not, but he's in the NFL right now. It's Casey Tuhill. Casey Tuhill was a gold team player at Cathedral. He was on the B, freshman B team. And then he went and played junior varsity. And then he finally made it to varsity. He was slower development. Obviously, his size is a big reason why he's in the National Football League. But he turned being a B-team freshman football player at Cathedral into now playing in the National Football League. So there are some opportunities, I think, for development there. But I agree with you, Chris, uh, to an extent um, on on the JV and varsity. I mean, if it wasn't broke, why fix it? But I also 100% agree... I counteract that for just one second because here's the deal. I mean, as much as I've been on campus at Cathedral and I love the program up there, not every school in Southern California has enough players to field four teams. Well, that's what I said. I said we have the luxury of doing so, but not everybody, but not everybody does. I'm down here in the South Bay, and you know, I, Montgomery, they can't do a freshman team. Um, East Lake is going to struggle with doing a freshman team. Uh, Otay Ranch, Olympian, um, San Ysidro. No, that you can't, it's just not going to work. And listen, these teams are falling further and further and further behind because of these stupid administration rules. Oh, they should be doing JV football. But the other thing, too, is I think a lot of 
a lot of players all of a sudden want to get pulled up or the the JV players are playing better than some of the varsity guys and it's the we got to get these guys up here as soon as possible um but you don't see a lot of development i think a lot of it has to do with numbers too with some of these programs just not having a lot of numbers i mean what Oklahoma Valley said they had they had like 23 kids on varsity that was barely enough to fill the team and they're going out there and playing each and every day um and and getting the best right and they got a lot of freshmen on their team but still i mean the numbers Obviously need to go big. I think yet last week's conversation with Charles James was encouraging, though, with a lot of the numbers being up again in Pop Warner and the numbers being up in youth. Um, and I think another thing, too, because there's some families, obviously, with smaller kids that worried about weights. Most small, most smaller players, Chris, don't interact with big players in the field. Just flat out, plain and simple, they don't. So a lot of the big things that I think a lot of families are worried about in terms of their kid playing football are things that very rarely happen, and, and it's a safe game. I mean, I played it, obviously. It's very violent, but with the way technology is nowadays with the helmets and everything, um, it couldn't be a better time to, to play football. And I just I encourage a lot of kids to play football because it's a sport I love, um, and I think it teaches you a lot. You mentioned that moments ago. It teaches you a lot about life. And there's a lot of stuff in my life um, that I have achieved that I wouldn't have been able to achieve if I didn't go through the hardships of of playing football and learn what it takes to, to 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 battle for a starting spot and what it takes to, you know, bounce back when things don't go your way. I mean, that's that stuff football taught me. That I, I I mean, other sports teach you those things, but I don't think it teaches you um, a lot of life lessons as much as football does with being tough, with handling handling adversity, with with trying to push through mentally uh, when you're going through bad times. I think I think football is attributed to a lot of my hardships. That I've gone through my life uh, trying to bounce back, and 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 I I credit football to a lot of that. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I want to go back to one thing you just said about encouraged by the youth numbers or whatnot. You, you'll notice I'm actually wearing a Super Q Bowl shirt. That's the San Diego Youth Football Conference. That's their annual championship. That's like their their Super Bowl, if you will. Look, I, I'm going to say this, and this is going to be super controversial and probably piss a lot of people off. When it when do you not do that, Chris? <laughs> encouraged by these numbers and i'll tell you why the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer the problem that i see is that these youth teams are being being stacked and there's so many stars on it that those kids only end up at maybe five to ten schools and so they're they're being spread you know to they're being funneled hey if you play with the claremont hawks you're going to go to madison i know in the old days it used to be feeder programs but now it's like whoever is friends with that youth football coach is going to be getting all these players. And so some of them aren't even staying in San Diego County, Chris. I mean, on the PPR two weeks ago, they had the Oceanside Monarchs, the same mascot name as Modern Day Santa Ana and the same uniforms as Modern Day Santa Ana. And the kid they interviewed said his dream school was Modern Day Santa Ana. I mean, how many North County kids, Chris, are going up to the Trinity League? I think it's a decent amount. I'm not encouraged that all these kids that are playing youth football are going to go and spread out across the county. And that's going to suddenly give us an influx of good football teams or improve the level of football around the county. No, I don't agree with that at all. I think having more kids play football is better for the sport to keep it going because it is a dying sport, Chris. It's just dying, which stinks, but the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer. Like those kids don't go to San Ysidro. Those kids don't go to El Cajon Valley. 
Those kids don't go to El Cap. Those kids don't go to Sierra Canyon. Those kids don't go to Hoover. Where do they go? One of the top 10 programs. Madison, Helix, Cathedral, uh, Modern Day, um, St. Augustine, um, Steel Canyon occasionally, uh, Granite Hills. But outside of a D2, like going past D2, if you played, if you played youth football and you were halfway decent, you're not going D2 or below, period. It's just facts. Should those schools below D2 still have football teams? Yes. But I also think that there needs to be, I don't know, man, we need to do something radical. Like, listen, if you've got a stud team and you've played, you know, two, three years, maybe you go into a draft and maybe these schools have to draft these kids. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but, you know, you brought up that freshman kid that gets a chance to play and then he turns into Casey Tuhill. I get that. That's the rarity, though. That is not the norm whatsoever. And these youth kids that have been playing together for four or five, six years, you know, in East Lake Panthers or um, the Benita Bucks, that 90% of this team lives in Benita, but then everybody goes to Madison. How does that happen? And you're telling me that those those alliances or those relationships don't change the narrative or make one school have an advantage over another when it comes to on the field. I mean, teams like Hoover have to compete against the, these teams that these kids don't live there, which, you know, they should be able to go anywhere they want, but the entire team shows up that's already been coaching and playing for three or four years. What do you think is going to happen? They're going to mop the field with everybody else and go win a championship. And let's be candid, it's happened more than once. It happens in all sports, though. That's like baseball. Ever watch the Little League World Series? All those teams are dirty in a sense that there's something, they got a special thing going on with that team. It's dirty. I'm just saying that, you know, we need to be realistic about, about if we're going to level the playing field, if we're going to say that, you know, we want good football all around the county, then maybe CIF says if you've got two years or more of youth experience, then you have to go into a draft. You think that would change things? No, I think that's ludicrous because they're kids trying to go to high school. Um, but And it also contradicts our other point of saying kids should go to whatever high school they want. Now, here's a couple of things there. Obviously, if you're a, if we're going to say, like we said, that you should go to any high school you want, if you're a kid that is really good at football, why wouldn't you want to go to one of the better schools? Why wouldn't you want to go play with a group of your friends that also play football at one of those schools? I think the biggest problem is, though, and you'll probably agree with me, we already know college football and college athletics has turned into a business. That's already fact. And I think it's already started to go down to the high school level. And I really think that youth sports nowadays is more about being a business. I think it's really more about being a... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not done. It's, it's not the people that put on the sport and it's not you know the AAUs or anything like that. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, it goes back to every parent wanting the best for their child and every parent that thinks their kid is good at sports, they want them to get to college. I mean, that's that's the goal for all these for a lot of parents is to get their kids to college, which is outstanding. But at the same time, it's just different now with the competitiveness of everybody and and you have to stick to one sport and and everybody wants to try to get to the league and everybody's trying to 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 get a scholarship for college. I mean, it treats the youth sports because it's trickled down now where you have to be, I, I got to go to this school if I want to go to college. 
I gotta I gotta play here. I gotta play. It's a lot of pressure on a lot of kids. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's what it is. And you know, we want to get kids to college, which is great. I love it. But but a lot of these families are making decisions on all right, what school is going to get me to college? And I'm not saying that going to one school is going to get you to to, to college because it's not. We've talked about that multiple times, but there these families have those conversations. So I'm not surprised that they want to send their kid to, to, to X high school because that's the ultimate goal. It's not like it was back in the you know 70s and 80s where you go to the school in your neighborhood, you play with all your friends, and you're playing every sport. It's just, I think youth sports, high school sports all the way down has become almost professional. It's worse in baseball, Chris. I mean, it is flat out worse in baseball than it is in football, but... I, well, basketball is probably worse. I'm not in the basketball realm as much. I see it in baseball, but it's brutal. With the shoe king back in the day when he was handing out shoe contracts to wear Nikes and started doing these Nike camps, and then it transitioned to baseball and to football, and we are where we are today. So it, it's a big business. It is. Don't get it twisted. These people aren't doing this for volunteer. It's a big business. So – if you're going to have a big business and you're going to call it a business, put out some big business rules. That's what I said. Initiate a draft. It's, just, it's not going to work because then it's just because of high school kids. It's just not like if you're a kid that lives in, you know, in South Bay and you get drafted by Oceanside or something like that. I mean, it's like, no, now I got to go to Oceanside High School. I mean, just it's I, I think I understand where you're coming from, but it's. You know, it goes against what you and I just said two weeks ago, saying that we, you know, think every kid should go to whatever school they want. Um, you know, and and maybe, maybe it goes back to uh, what about the radical idea too that everybody says no to that you and I have talked about at the beginning part of the year, combo teams, get some combo teams with some of these schools. But I, honestly, Chris, I mean, it's trajectorying in a way, and I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad, but I mean, it's it's. It's tough, man. So uh, let's get to some picks. I know we got to get moving here. I got to go pick up my car. Um, nobody cares about my personal needs, but that's the case. Uh, San Marcos at Carlsbad. Can San Marcos give Carlsbad a game? Carlsbad's projected to win 42 17. Jace Nix. All right. Uh, wait, wait. You said San Marcos? I said San Marcos at Carlsbad. San Marcos at Carlsbad. Oh, no, Carlsbad. Okay. I was going to say, hang on there for a second. Um, I don't want to pick that game. That game stinks. Uh, trying to go down the list here on Cal Preps. Um, what about La Jolla at Patrick Henry? Patrick Henry's expected to win by one point. I'll take Patrick Henry. All right. Uh, moving down the league here. Western League, we got Lincoln versus Saints at Mesa College and Madison at Cathedral. Lincoln Saints blow out Lincoln. Right. Cathedral... You said Cathedral. Madison. Madison's favored by six. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say um, Cathedral because their defensive coordinator told me at the beginning of the season there's no way they'll lose to Madison. Um, so, sorry, Ben. Follow. You, you, i got to give you an L on that one. Cathedral wins. I'm trying to find any other like important game. Do you think Helix can keep it within 14 points in Mission Viejo? No. 21 points? No. 28 points. It'll be 42-21. 
That's pretty close to Cal Preps. You know, Cal Preps has a thing where you can like go and try to pick against them. I think you'd be good at that. Uh, that's pretty much it on the uh, on the Cal on the on the predictions for for games. I'll try to put it together on the article. I got to go. Chris has to go. Thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, if you got any, don't forget next week we got Jason Carter in studio. Hopefully we're back. You and I both in the uh, in the studio. Zoom's good. All right, Chris has to get to uh, um, something. I got to get to something. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Any comments, concerns about what we talked about, feel free to put in the comments or any suggestions of things you want us to talk about. We'll take that as well. For Chris Smith, I'm Brain Spread. Thanks again for tuning in to the High School Football Podcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.